in, in the building or joining us online, it's um, lovely to have you with us and I'm sure you'll have a very warm welcome from us all. Um, a couple of notices uh, just before we start. We do have refreshments this evening, so if you do want to stay afterwards to, to have fellowship with the guys here, we have refreshments which is in our uh, Sunday school hall next door, so it'd be lovely to have many of you stay behind and to catch up and to have a cup of tea and a cake and biscuit next door. Um, a couple of things for next week that's coming up. Um, just a reminder that we have a prayer meeting on Thursday, and it'd be really good to, to be there at that prayer meeting, especially as... Um, the ch- children and the teenagers are getting prepared to go back to school, isn't it? And we're prepared to start running Rooted and Thrive, so it'd be good to be there to pray for these um, events that are taking place. Um, also, just a reminder that on Sunday, the 10th of September, we have a fellowship uh, lunch and walk down here. So please could you help by putting your name on the board. Um, Jane would really appreciate it if you can help in any way um, with the, the catering or putting stuff up. We just need some names and uh, numbers of people really to help with that, so that would be a real help to us. I've just got a verse that I'd like to read before um, we sing, and it seems like, I'm, I'm hearing a lot over the, the last couple of two to three weeks, a lot of people seem to be suffering anxieties and worries and, and panic, and um, I can say myself, I'm, I'm, I'm not immune to that, I, I do suffer my times of anxiety and panic. And it's been a real prayer for me and Steph over these last two, three weeks. We've been trying to focus on the here and now and not the tomorrow and the future. And it's really difficult sometimes, isn't it? Because you're worrying what's going to happen, what's the future going to bring for you. But God knows. God has always known. God directs, God guides, and God always knows what our path is that lies ahead. And it's been really, really helpful for for me and Steph to sit down and just to, to not worry about tomorrow because God will take care of that. Obviously, there are things that you can pray about and um, think about as you go forward. But ultimately, God is going to take care of that no matter what happens. And whatever path is in front of you, God has made that path for you. And it's, it's, a, it's a verse in Peter and it's been really helpful. It's 1 Peter and it's in uh, chapter 5, verses 6 to 7. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I just think that's amazing, isn't it? You know, we can cast all our anxieties on God because he cares for you. Not as a people, he does, but he cares for each and every single one of us as individuals too. And um, it's been a real blessing, really, to just not worry about the future, but thinking about today and remembering that God cares for us. We're going to sing our first song uh, this evening, and as the music uh, starts, please stand. We're going to be singing... The church is one foundation, it's Jesus Christ her Lord. She is the new creation by water and the word. And please stand when the music starts.
moment, um, Alan is going to come up and he's going to do our first Bible reading for this evening. But before then, I'm just going to pray. So we bow our heads and let's pray to God. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful yet again that we can come and worship the King of Kings. Lord, we have this building here where you fill it with your presence and Lord, we thank you that you promise us where two or three meet, there you will be amongst them. Lord, we just want to give you the glory, we want to give you the honour. Lord, we want to lift you up high above everything else and I pray this evening now, if anything is playing on our minds, any worries or anxieties, Lord, I pray that you would help us just to cast them to one side, cast them into your care and Lord, be able to focus on what we are about to hear this evening. Lord, we can be so worried about what tomorrow holds. We can forget about what's right in front of us. So please help us, Lord, we pray. Lord, we pray that you would be with us as we, we hear your word spoken this evening. We pray that you would help John as he speaks to us. We pray that you would be um, a help to him, that he would be your mouthpiece. And we just pray that we'd be blessed through that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So hear from God and God's Word, Ephesians chapter 5. It's Ephesians chapter 5, 9, 7, 8 in the Church Bibles. And we're reading verses 22 to the end of the chapter, 22 to 33. So Ephesians chapter 5 is headed up wives and husbands in this section. Wives, submit yourselves, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendour, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it, nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much, Alan. We're going to sing again now, and we're going to be singing uh, two songs. 
Uh, the first one we're going to be singing is King of Kings, Majesty, God of Heaven, Living in Me. And then straight after that, followed on, will be um, You Are Worthy, and we'll be singing this through twice. So it'll be good to, to sing together, wouldn't it, to lift up our praises to God as we sing these two songs now.
we come before God again, shall we bow our heads and let's pray. Yes, Heavenly Father, you are worthy. You are worthy for praise and we thank you so much that you are the God of all creation. And we've experienced another beautiful day outside today. The sun is shining. Lord, it is, the skies are blue and it is so wonderful to see um, when the, the weather is like this. And it is just amazing just to think that you place that sun up in the sky and as the darkness comes in tonight and the moon comes up and the stars take their place in the sky, you scattered them there with your hands. Lord, how worthy are you to be praised. Lord, we thank you so much that even with all your creating and marvellous power that you have, Lord, that you created us, the human beings, to be in your image and to worship and to serve you. And Lord, we thank you that we can come to you, we can serve you, yet we are so fallen in sin. Lord, we are so sinful in the way that we are, the way that we act, the way that we speak, the way that we think. And we needed a way to salvation and we thank you that you made that way clear to us through the love and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord God, that as we um, worship you, as we read and pray, Lord, we can be more like Jesus day by day, that he would be the example that we would want to follow after. Lord, there are so many things in this world, so many idols that try to, to catch our eye. But Lord, I pray that you would be this one thing that shines out brightest to us. Lord, we pray now that you'd be with us as we come here to worship. We pray that you would work in our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would be at work now. Lord, I pray that if there are any sitting in this building now or online that do not know you, I pray that you would really shout in their ears and ring in their hearts, Lord, that you would really stir them up to hear this message this evening. Lord, we long to see uh, people saved. Lord, that's what you call us to do. We think about Peter today. His commission was to go and be fishers of men and I pray that we would take that same commission up from you, that we'd go out far and wide and spread your message and bring people to know you. But Lord, we cannot do it without your power. We cannot do it without your Holy Spirit helping and guiding us. Lord, we think about how you have helped us and guided us over so many years, Lord, and we think about the events that have happened in more recent times, and Lord, you have been so helpful for us to go out and to preach your word to people and uh, faces around about us, whether it be on camps, on wipey holidays, or down on the lighthouse, Lord. Many, many, many people have heard your message. And we thank you that it's not just the young that have been hearing. And we think about the first Tuesdays that we have also, Lord. And we think about all those um, people that have heard that message. And it is so wonderful to think, it doesn't matter what age you are in life, Lord. You can still work and save people. And Lord, it is not too late. Lord, we just pray as we look forward. We think about, uh, we start, we're going to be starting back up with Rooted and Thrive and we pray again, Lord, that as we um, take uh, part in um, going forward with those again, Lord, we pray that your hand would be up on them all, that there would be um, a real blessing to those that come. We pray, Lord God, that the main focus of Thrive and Rooted would be you and your word and we pray that we'd never stray from it. We're so thankful that we've had so many children that have come through these doors and have heard this message and it has been um, spoken to them and talked to them. And we just pray, Lord, again, that you would bring more numbers into um, our church building to hear your word again. Lord, we pray for the teachers, Lord, as they're preparing to, to teach again. Lord, we're so thankful that they've been able to have a time off. And we pray that it would have been refreshing for each and every single one of them. But I pray that they'd be 
full of fire to come back and to teach your word. Lord, that they have been infused to sit again with those children and to teach them the stories about you and your wonderful love. Lord, we thank you for the teachers here. We thank you so much for the love and kindness and the patience um, that they show to the children and the teenagers week by week. And we pray that those relations will be kept being built up. Lord, we pray for John and for Mark as, as they lead and teach us here. Lord, may you be an encouragement to them this coming week. May you be an encouragement to them in their readings, in their prayer time. Lord, be an encouragement to them as they have been to so many of us here. Lord, we're so thankful that they've been able to have time off over this holiday period too and I pray that it would have been a real spiritual refreshment for them. We pray for John as he comes up in a moment to speak to us, Lord. I pray that, that again that you would speak through him, that John would put you first and at the forefront of everything and that he would not say anything other than what you wish him to say. Lord God, we just pray again for, for those at this time that might be feeling a bit... Um, worried, panicked, anxious. Lord, we know that there are many that we know, many that we love are feeling this way. And I pray, Lord God, that you would come alongside them at this time. Lord, I know sometimes we cannot say the words. We try to. We try to show love and compassion towards them. But no one can um, fix those anxieties like the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that even in those dark times, Lord, that they would stop and know that you are Lord because you can calm as we've heard, the greatest of storms in people's lives, Lord. And Lord, we know that you do not chuck anything at us that we cannot bear. And we know that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So I pray that that those that are feeling anxious, panicked and worried at this time will draw their strength from you. So Lord God, be with us now as we continue to worship you. We just pray that you would give us all a heart to worship and we pray all these things in our precious Saviour's name. Amen. Okay, our second reading this evening is going to be from Revelations and this will be the passage that John will be speaking to us and teaching us from in a moment. Um, You can find it on page 1039. It's uh, Revelations 19 and we're reading verses 6 to 10. So in your chapel Bibles it's 1039 and if not you can follow up on the screen. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty pearls of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you, and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Amen. Well, before John comes up to speak to us on that passage, and we look forward to that, John, uh, we're going to be singing our fourth song this evening. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace.
Well, if you hear the phrase, the big day has arrived, I wonder what you have in mind. Because there are many events in life, many big events in life, but I, I guess mostly it's referred to uh, wedding days. Wedding days. And if you've been involved with a wedding or you've had one in the family, there's lots of build-up, there's uh, lots of anticipation, there's lots of excitement, and there's lots of stress. Of course, in this uh, fallen world, things don't always go as we want on the day. Things don't always turn out as we want after the day, but it is usually a big day. And that's understandable. There are many ways in which it should be a a big thing, a a human wedding. Um, Jesus' first miracle was at uh, at a wedding at Cana of Galilee, as we got a snippet of this morning. Uh, Marriage is a a God-planned pattern, Uh, so there is something big about it, uh, and a wedding day... Um, is a, a big thing. But as we come this evening, I'm going to say it's not the big thing. It's not the big thing. In fact, really, it's just a pointer. As wonderful as it is, so often, it's just a pointer. It's just a, a sample, if you like. It actually exists to convey something else. In many ways, the, the marriage at wedding is a, is a thumbnail of the real thing. You know, when you're looking at images, sometimes you've got a sort of a low-density picture on there and, and then if you want to see it properly, you click on it and then you get to the sort of high-intensity image. Well, in many ways, a wedding, a marriage, is, is the thumbnail to something much bigger and richer and fuller. It's an average of uh, 280,000 weddings in the UK each year. Great occasions, lots of activity, lots of, lots of money. Uh, the wedding industry estimated 14.7 billion directly spent on weddings each year in the UK. But all of these events all of these thousands and thousands of ceremonies pointing to what we should be thinking of this evening. Thumbnails compared to the big, full image. Now, human marriage may never have come your way. You may never want it to come your way. It may have come your way, but with a lot of unhappiness linked with it. But I wanted to tell you this evening that there's something bigger and something better which is more important to be involved with and which is more important to know about. So we've been scaling the heights on our Sunday evenings of the worship songs in Revelation. And if you've been here many of the evenings amidst your holidays, You'll perhaps remember that we've had three so far. We've had the worship song of creation from Revelation 4 and 
worship song of redemption from Revelation 5 and then last Sunday evening the, the worship songs of judgment from three other chapters in Revelation. And we come to the, the, the last one we're going to look at this evening which is to do with the, the wedding and the bridegroom. This is what weddings, marriage points to. There's a, a very useful video, maybe some of you have seen it, it's, it's occasionally shown at, at weddings, it's by Andrew Wilson, you can get it on the internet and it's called This Is About That. It talks about weddings, the this, but it talks about what weddings are really about from the Bible, which is the that. This is about that. You can look it up on YouTube. Well, this evening we're, we're thinking of the that that wedding marriages point to. It's uh, the last of the songs. Perhaps you can see it as the climax of the songs in Revelation. It's what history is moving towards. It is the great purpose that God had in mind before the foundation of the world, when he gave his son those who would be involved with that day. And we're going to look at these verses here in uh, Revelation 19, 6-9, or 6-10. to 10. I'm going to look at it in two parts. I'm going to look at what that big day is about and how we should respond to it. And we're going to do it a little bit back to front because I'm hoping that uh, the, the first couple of verses might mean more when we've looked at the, the latter verses. So we're going to start off thinking about the wedding. The wedding that it's pointing to. You have it here in chapter uh, 19 and it says in verse 7, the marriage of the Lamb. The marriage of the Lamb. And in verse 9, the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's a wedding pictured here in heaven. Think about different aspects of it that come out in this teaching. We think about the groom. The groom is the lamb. The lamb. The wedding of the lamb. And the lamb is Jesus, the one who was sacrificed, slain. John the Baptist realised this. We're told this in John chapter 3. And John the Baptist here says in verse 28, You yourselves bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Christ is the groom. And he has chosen and is waiting for his bride. The bride here is not an individual single person in this imagery. It is the church. Not a building, but the the people that make up the church. It's the whole gathering, the whole assembly of God's people. That is the, the bride as the Bible describes it. And in the wedding, when 
bride enters, bride is married to the bridegroom, it uh, should be picturing entering a, a time of, of security, a time of belonging, a time of relationship, a time of intimacy, a time of public and loyal love. And that's what the bride enters into with Christ. Ephesians 5 was read to us and it's a great passage about husbands and wives, very thought-provoking for us if we are one of those. But in it, it makes clear what is the, if you like, the paradigm for marriages on earth or the, the model or the reference point. Chapter 5, 32, Ephesians, this mystery is profound and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. That is the great marriage. In fact, it's not just a comparison, if I can put it this way. Human marriages exist to reflect that greater glory and relationship. That is the the big thing, that is the foremost thing. That was the the greatly designed thing and uh, the human marriages are there to sort of point towards it. That is number one. They are almost, if you like, number two. And this teaching comes through these verses and it affects how the wife should be. Wives, verse 22, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the Husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. Now the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to everything, to, in everything to their husbands. And it affects how the husband should be. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendour, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands, should love their wives as their own bodies. So the groom, Christ, the bride, the church. And anyone who has been involved with weddings will know that there's a lot of getting ready. Uh, When Gemma was uh, uh, married in our family, she would in the build-up call it wedmin, where all the admin, all the lists, all the planning, all the liaison, it goes on, doesn't it, over the months, often more than months, over a year, the build-up, the decisions, all the things that have to be decided. And then it comes to the time. The time. There's a, a countdown used, isn't there? How long? How long? Yeah, 100 days left or whatever, six weeks left or whatever. And, that, and then the countdown gets to, to zero. <laughs> it's the day. It's arrived. And John, in this uh, vision in Revelation, is, is really looking at, he's taken to the point in history 
where the countdown is, is zero. In a way, you could almost say that now we are in the betrothal period. That, that's the way things were organised in, in those days. So uh, when somebody's betrothed, a man and woman betrothed, um, it's more than engagement. It's engagement plus plus, if you like. It was it's very definite, very um, secure arrangement. It was just waiting for the time of the marriage. And Christ is committed to his people, to believers. He has given his life. He's paid the dowry, if you like. He loves us. But we're not in that final state. We're, we're waiting for that, uh, that, that marriage which we're heading towards. And here you find that the time has come. Verse 7, For the marriage of the Lamb has come. A big part of the build-up towards a wedding is, is the bride getting ready, isn't it? And I know it can be overdone, but you know, there's part of it that's, that has to be happened. There's a real joy, a, a dress is chosen, and bridesmaids are, are chosen, uh, there's a, a bouquet, and, and, and the bouquet is uh, produced nearer the time, and the, the hair is made up, there's makeup, and maybe they've had practice the entrance the, the night before, and then the time comes, and the bride is ready. And the, the, the groom is uh, down the front of the church looking over his uh, shoulder and uh, the music starts up. It used to be here comes the bride now. It's a lot of very different things, nice bits of music. And, and these days often the bridesmaids come in first. I think it's quite nice actually, but they come in first. They build up the suspense and, and, the, and then the bride has arrived. She's made herself ready. She's coming down the front. And we're at this point, as John looks forward, the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It's the time. And then as we look a bit further into our passage, we have the dress. What is she wearing? It's often the question that... um, some are more into it than others, but are often thinking about what the dress is like. And if you've watched any of these royal weddings where they wax eloquent, don't they, about the designer and the sort and the, what's everything that's gone into it, the, 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 the dress. Well, what, what is the bride, what is the church wearing on this great day? Verse 8. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. Well, wedding dresses often are, aren't they? They are they're fine linen and they're bright and they're pure. It's something distinctive normally about marriages. And it's quite striking that the church is seen like that. The church is seen as bright and pure with fine linen. It carries on, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Well, what, what is this? What does that mean then? Is it talking about the good things that they have done? Well, over this period, the, the, the church should be changing and becoming more like Christ. That, that is true and that is taught elsewhere. But, 
When you take into account other verses, I, I can't think that, that that's what it's pointing to here. There's other verses that help us out. Isaiah 64 says that our, our righteousness is as filthy rags. That's what we're like. The church is the, the, the woman from the dirty squalor. The church is the Cinderella in rags. We heard this morning at the start, remember, you know, as you come here, this is for sinners. And the church is, is covered in righteousness, is given righteousness, is given righteousness through the, the work of Christ. So I think other clues in Revelation will lead us this way. Chapter 6 and verse 11, then there they were each given a white, they were given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete. They're given this white robe. Chapter 7 and verse 14. I said to him, Sir, you know, he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. You see, they're righteous, they're pure. It's pure linen because of what Christ has done. Isaiah, Isaiah could see this coming ages ago when he said in chapter 61 and verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, my soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. He's covered me. It's what God has done. It's the cleansing work of Christ. And it means in that day, the church, we will be seen as pure and right and ready and acceptable. We think about the supper. There's not just the service, is there? Usually on a wedding day there is a reception. Different arrangements, works in different ways. If we were to think that wedding was actually only about the service and the vows, obviously they're a major part, they should, and they sometimes get lost in everything else, they're a major part, but if we say it's only about the service and the vows, well, I'm not sure really that holds right biblically. There is something special about the occasion and, and there is here, there's talk of a, a marriage supper, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we have what, what's sometimes possibly called the wedding breakfast or the reception, the do's afterwards. What does that depict? Well, it's celebration, isn't it? It's satisfaction. There's a fullness in it. It's company. It's joy. Well, people have budgets and uh, you have to steward your, your money sensibly. There's a limit to what can be done and how many can come and so forth. But it, it's usually something special. You don't usually have beans on toast at a wedding reception. No, there's something special about the occasion. Isaiah again points forward in Isaiah 25 and verse 6. 
On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well refined. It's a time of great satisfaction which is ahead of us. A time of great company, a time of great joy. A couple of chapters later, picks up this imagery again. Let me let me tell you this, and it puts it beautifully. Revelation 21, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain any more for the former things have passed away. And we have something else in this description in these verses. We have the invitation. A slight change here from... um, people being the bride to, to the guests. And the invitation to the wedding um, is used in two different ways in the Bible. One is to, is to come to Jesus in the first place. Is the invitation of the Gospel. So you've got Matthew 22 and, and the parables or the wedding feast with the invitation thrown open to, to come to the wedding feast. And there's there's a broad invitation that you can be part of this. That this doesn't have to be foreign to you, alien to you. You you are welcome. And we haven't finished with that thought in Revelation. We go to the very last chapter of the Bible and in verse 17 you you have this. And this was preached on, I think here, on a notable occasion. Some of you with very long memories who have been around a while will, will know Uh, we had a special service at the end of the last uh, millennium, so 31st December 1999, and the pastor here then, Peter Rao, preached on that special evening, and this is what he preached on. And he said, it's the last invitation in the Bible, and it's the last invitation of this millennium, if you like. And this is what he preached on. You can see its significance to this evening. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take of the water of life without price. So I I passed that invitation this evening. What we're talking about this evening is something, there is a gospel invitation for people to repent and believe and to be part of. But there's a second way the invitation is used, uh, as I understand it, and uh, it's further on. And it's, it's the, the privilege of those who are definitely coming and attending. It's more definite. And I think that's what's referred to here in verse 9. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. 
So, believer, at that time, it's, it's happening. It's, it, the time has arrived. The, the time on your invitation is there. And it's right for you to be there. And things are starting. And things are happening. And the fact that you will be part of it is because you are privileged. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, you may go to weddings or you may feel that others go to weddings and you just don't seem to get many invites. If you're a believer, you're going to this one. And that's what really matters. Maybe you get invites to lots of weddings. That's what happens sometimes when people are in their 20s, uh, uh, girls in their 20s and they've been through college and they've got lots of friends and some years, you know, they're going to lots of weddings. You know, there's four or five over the course of the year. Maybe you've gone to plenty of, of weddings. Are you going to this one? This is the one that really matters. This is the big event. Well, some of us vary in our enthusiasm for weddings naturally. Some of us are really into it and others less so. But this is the great one. And this is what we're told about the great event at the end of human history, the wedding. That's why I've got a capital on the T there. Worship at the wedding. Well, how does heaven respond then? at the thought of this, at the time arriving, at the climax, and the fact that there is a wedding, the bride being ready, the invitation being implemented, how does heaven respond? And then you have the worship. Verses 6 and 7 occur because there is this wedding, they lead on to it. It says, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And as we look at verses 6 and 7, I'm going to notice a few things about it. Let me read it first. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb. It's a united song of worship. They are thrilled. They are full of praise. Revelation 19, the earlier verses, I think you could include this one, are oh, an hallelujah chorus. There's a sense of worship. What do we notice about it? I want you to notice these things. I want you to notice the decibels. Climaxes often in music, don't they? They get, they get louder. They don't usually peter out. They, you know, they often get louder. You, in the symphonies, you know, you hear the, 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 the main lines of uh, music at different points during the build-up and they're played by the brass and by, played by the woodwind. But as you get to the, to the end bit, well, all the different sections of the orchestra are, are, are belting it out with a, a sort of very moving crescendo. And here, as the songs have belt up to this climax, 
There, there is some volume. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude. Not a solo. It's a massive choir. There's lots of voices. What is it like? It's like the roar of many waters. I don't know if you've been near a big waterfall. We haven't got loads, have we? Remember? Maybe you've been to Swallow Falls. I've been to Swallow Falls and it seems to be in the summer and there's only just a trickle going down and certainly not deafening. But maybe you've been... Uh, I haven't been, but maybe you've been to Niagara or you've been to Victoria Falls or Angel Falls or one of these big big places. And I imagine that when you're by those waterfalls, you just can't hear because of the, the, the sound of many waters coming over the top. And it was like this for John. The, the chorus has just got so much volume. It's, it's like a, an overhead thunderclap. He says, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder. Not, not, a, not a distant, did you hear that? I, uh, was, was, it, was it, or was it a plane coming? No, but you, when you've got one over and the lightning comes down, you know, you're all aware, you can't hear what anyone else says. And John says, the sound is like a thunderclap. There is so much heart and voice. Notice the decibels. Notice the, the joy. Because you can be loud and angry, can't you? Or people can be loud and just loud. They don't realise. You know, some people like that. They just do everything in a loud way. It's their manner. Or you can be loud and joyful. And that is what this is. Verse Seven, let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. You've got these two words here, rejoice and exult. We don't use the word exult so much, but it's a similar word. In fact, the word translated uh, exult in Greek is usually translated rejoice as far as I can see. You've got rejoice and rejoice. Uh, The first rejoice involves delighting and the second one is perhaps the more ordinary word for rejoice but there's double joy going on here there's double joy it's a joyful worship joyful song thrilled with what's happening you think of the blessedness of those involved this word blessed blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb well blessed is a happy word isn't it their, their, their situation is wonderfully, deeply happy. There is a, an overflowing happiness about these people. It's a joyful scene. It's not like some sort of communist uh, crowd instructed by its supreme leader to, to chant out its praises. No, these people want to. They're just so full of joy at the point in history that has been arrived at. It's been a hard time. They've been put down. Some of their friends have been killed. They've been downtrodden. They're marked for being Christians. And now it's the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now history will be culminated. Now they will reign with Christ. Now they will be free from all their difficulties and problems. Now they will see him face to face. They're thrilled with joy. Double joy. Blessedness happiness notice 
It's focus. An angel confirms the truth and the angel said to me in verse 10, these are the true words of God. And then it seems as though John loses the plot, doesn't it? And he tries to worship the angel. It's not the only time he does it in Revelation. And I fell down at his feet to worship, but he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. They don't go worshipping an angel. The worship is due to the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb as it has been given through the book of Revelation. And so their worship is taken up with the Lord. Alleluia. Praise the Lord. Give him the glory. Verse 7. So that's their worship. Amazed, relieved, thrilled at the thought of what is happening. And that's meant to help us now. It's meant to help the churches then. It's meant to help us now. It's meant to encourage us to press on in our difficulties with that ahead. It's meant to give us a spirit of worship. Almost as though we we want to have a good practice now for what we'll be feeling and singing like then. Imagine a a grandma and a granddaughter is marrying and as far as she's concerned, she's marrying a nice young man and she's very pleased about it. Life is a little bit difficult for the grandma at the minute, you know, declining years, less ability, limitations and the wedding is coming up within the next year and it's like a ray of sunshine for the grandma. She's often found humming often found singing in the months of the build-up. There's a freshness in her step, a joy, because of that future event which she's entering into and enjoying in the build-up. As we here look at the marriage supper of the land, then the worship that will occur then, we can bring it back like the grandma. Allow it to to fill our vision, to fill our heart, to practice, to fill the same sense of worship because of the future that is ahead of us. So that's the last of the worship songs we'll look at. We've called it Worship at the Wedding. And with this in mind, we're going to sing a, a hymn slightly updated hymn, uh, which brings some of these thoughts beautifully together. Uh, It might be a special one to some of you, maybe less familiar to others of you. The sands of time are sinking, the dawn of heaven breaks, the summer morn I've longed for, the fair sweet morn awakes. Let's sing our last song.
Oh, our Father, we thank you again for a glimpse of what is ahead. We thank you for that wonderful big event which we have grown in our understanding of as we thought through this evening. We pray that it will help us in our difficulties and our trials in our existence here below. We pray that in our hearts there will be an echo of worship and of joy and of hearty praise at what Christ has done for us and what we await as we get ever closer to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen.